So do I sing or what? <laughs> well, what are you going to sing for a mailbag episode? Mail time. Mail time. <laughs> oh, wait, that's not. Mail time. <laughs> Nothing. No Disney-related mail songs <laughs> that I can think of off the top of my head right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Me, Mom, and the Mouse, and the Mailbag, a podcast <laughs> where we answer questions, and that's it. Yep. My name is Isaac Coleman, and I'm joined, as always, by my mother, Rue Coleman. Hello, Isaac. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's getting hot. Yep, we're having a record hot day here in Lincoln, and the air conditioning where I currently live is terrible. It's one yep. of the reasons I want to move out of here, which is why eagle-eared listeners may hear a loud fan. I'm going <laughs> to do my best to noise remove that, but uh, I can't not have that fan. <laughs> we don't want Isaac it's a, to die. It's 105 degrees, <laughs> and there's barely air conditioning, so... Can't wait to not be here, but I, I'm doing well today. I'm doing all right. Oh, good. Um, speaking of noise removing things, a little bit of housekeeping up top. This is, of course, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, because they didn't listen to our Jungle Book episode, we are taking an extended hiatus between the Jungle Book and, uh, well, <laughs> between the Silver Era, it's not movie specific, between the Silver Era and the Bronze Era. Between the Jungle Book and the Aristocats. Yep. And we're doing that so we can make some changes to the show and make some changes to our lives. My aforementioned move. Mm-hmm. You're starting a new job. Yep. Um, and I wanted to say up top, we have, as of this recording, uh, hired our new editor, Brad Murray of Oak Studios. And one of the reasons I want to shout him out is because... Uh, he's not editing this episode. <laughs> the whole point of this mailbag episode is to do something that is very low effort during the hiatus. Yep. So I'm going to do a pass for like minimum viable podcast product. Like I'm going to put the tracks together. I'm going to make it sound more or less listenable. I guess if any of us, if either of us has a like really loud sneeze, I'll edit it out. But <laughs> if it's just a pretty loud sneeze, we'll leave it in. <laughs> So if you're listening to this episode like, good lord, why is their new editor so bad? No, no, no. He's not touching this one. (laughs) He's going to be hard at work on the Aristocats episode. (laughs) So that one ought to sound great. That one will sound great. I have no doubt in my mind. I'm very excited to work with Brad. Uh, We had our, when we had our first, like, work meeting, him and I, we just totally clicked. Like, I, uh, he's exactly what I was looking for to be a third person you know working on the show who really gets it it's gonna be great so this episode is not touched by him blame it all on my laziness slash i don't know if i've mentioned this i'm moving uh it's really on my mind today with 105 degrees um yep yep yep. but that's not what we're here to do what we're here to do is answer some questions that were sent into the mailbag at me mom mouse at gmail.com and this will not be our last mailbag episode most likely so if you have additional questions if you hear this episode and you're like man i wish they'd talked about this other thing you can send your own questions or non-questions you can send <laughs> anything really it's it's legal <laughs> it's a to, email address 
mommouse at gmail.com. That's M-E-M-O-M-M-O-U-S-E at gmail.com. <laughs> the questions today come from uh, Isaiah Coleman, who is your son and my younger brother. Yep. Uh, Joe Sabus, a friend of mine who I used to co-host a Star Wars podcast called Star Wars with. That was a podcast where we tried to watch all of the Star Wars, the Clone Wars uh, animated television show, the CGI animated show, um, and review them in a manner somewhat similar to this show. Uh, Nobody liked it, and also it ended because I could not keep watching that television program. (laughs) It truly is Star Wars. Uh, But Joe Sabus, um, who continues to do a lot of internet things, streams as part of a group called Halo Friends, sent in some questions. Uh, Sydney Sharing, Sydney from Germany, who is uh, a film critic from Germany, professional film critic, who I kind of connected with on Twitter. I like to think we became Twitter pen pals, mainly because we both love the works of director Gore Verbinski. Ah. Um, and he has a big love for Disney stuff, uh, especially for... Donald Duck and a lot of the Duck comics that we didn't we didn't get here in the U.S. <laughs> um, and he is, for example, one of the people who turned me on to uh, the Three Caballeros TV show um, that turned out to be really good. Yep. So they and also uh, I threw one question into this and you threw one question into this because we just want to discuss them. <laughs> and also we changed some of the questions we were asked slightly and combined questions that were similar. So. That's why we're going to read all the names up top, because <laughs> otherwise if we attribute your name to your question, you're going to be like, that's not what I asked. <laughs> oh, well, we decided we liked our questions versions better. Yeah, basically, uh, we operate with total authority. <laughs> it's our dumb show. <laughs> uh, but thank you for helping us make it a little bit. So uh, this first question. While pretty much all Delarms are bad, you could lose the pretty much. Mm-hmm. What part of the animated canon would you most want Disney to remake, either live action or animated? I think I would definitely say the Black Cauldron would make a good live action movie. Because even though we haven't gotten to that one yet, what I remember from having seen it is it's not very good. But the books that it's based on, the Chronicles of Prydain, which we've both read and loved would make a great movie. Either an animated or a live-action remake of that would be well-warranted. You know, just kind of throw out what you did before. <laughs> yes. Take the source material, come up with a different movie off of it, and I think it would be very good. Yeah, you and I have talked about the doing, po- like, the possibility of what if Disney did a live-action Chronicles of Prydain uh, series Forever, yeah. It feels not forever. For a very long time, we've been talking about like, because it feels like such an obvious win. I mean, you would think in the two thousands, especially, um, you know, like when Lord of the Rings was the biggest franchise in the world. Like you could do the right way to do Chronicles of Prydain movies is Lord of the Rings style. Film them back to back to back to back. Make them these big epic things. Give them a killer soundtrack. Yep. Uh, and, you know, as much practical effects as you can get. And, like, that wouldn't, for a company, you know, of Disney's size and resources, that wouldn't be hard at all. And mm-hmm. it would be a slam dunk. And there's five of them. You don't <laughs> just make money off of three movies. You make money off of five movies. And each of the books are shorter. So yep. they'll 
kind of make better movies than the Lord of the Rings and movies where they I have to condense so much. I was also thinking about the Harry Potter movies because that proves you can do a longer movie series starring kids or starting out as right. kids, right? Because the characters in Chronicles of Prydain do start out as children or young adults and grow up to be adults at the end. And it's only five as opposed to, to whatever, eight movies they did for Harry Potter. So they could definitely right. make it work. And, you know, everybody at back then was seemed like they were on the lookout for epic fantasy right. series. <laughs> Dis and Disney weirdly ended up landing on <laughs> the one based on a theme park ride, right? Like Pirates mm. of the Caribbean. Well, they did Chronicles of Narnia, too. That's You're right. Chronicles of Narnia was their intentional answer. And then yeah. the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie, which they expected to completely bomb, <laughs> did so well that that became their actual like 2000s fantasy franchise that was a big success. Although the first two Chronicles of Narnia movies did pretty well. Yeah. But it was diminishing returns. And then after that third one, it was clear that that was never going to happen. Yeah. Um, I uh, The last time I saw those first two Chronicles of Narnia movies, I still thought they were pretty good. Yeah, I think they, they hold up pretty well. They're a lot of fun. They changed a lot from the books, but they, they're they still fun and enjoyable to watch. I and really talking... wish they, you know, it, going back to Chronicles of Narnia, somebody ought to do just a movie of the book, The Horse and His Boy, because that would make a great movie. <laughs> Nobody ever yeah. gets that far. In all the series right. I've seen where they're doing... We're going to do the Chronicles of Narnia. They never, they always stop before they get that far, which I'm like, man, that one would be so good. Yeah. Disney wanted to go all the way, but they couldn't, they yeah. couldn't justify the cost. Because uh, that third movie not only was a failure, but was quite bad. Mm -hmm. um, but the the soundtrack to that first Chronicles of Narnia movie, uh, I still listen to all the time. I mm -hmm. love that soundtrack. I love the theme, the dun, 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 dun. Like, that's up there with yeah. the Lord of the Rings theme yeah. for me. Um, by the way, this is why we wanted to do this mailbag episode, because we're just going to talk about whatever. If you're like, <laughs> why are they talking about Chronicles of Narnia? There's nothing to do with the question. That's what we're here to do. So uh, I hope you like that. Um I will say I recently reread the Chronicles of Prydain books um, in preparation for the Black Cauldron episode specifically because I haven't read them since I was a child and we'll talk about it in the episode. I do think those books, I don't think Disney can make those books into the movies I would really like to see because <laughs> what I like about those books is how sad they get and <laughs> how like they really get into some some deeper concepts. I mean, yeah. my favorite of those books is the fourth one. That's just the main character wandering around, having epiphanies about himself with <laughs> almost no action. Um, yeah. And like, I mean, that would be hard to turn into a movie in general, but Disney, especially you could do it is as a to... sequence in a lot movie about, you know, that was longer. I was wondering if mm -hmm. anybody was ever going to try to do the whole series as a movie or as movies, they might need to, like like combine four and five together perhaps to where you have part of some of each i don't know i don't see know. but i don't know five five is definitely a movie out so because five yeah. is the big action we're it bringing is. everything together that would i mean that would be a terrific movie and like disney could easily do that because mm -hmm. it's just like a big fight movie you know like a big large-scale battle you yep. know yep. um 
So I do think that if it was made into Disney movies, they would sand off a lot of the most interesting parts of the books, which, I mean, happens <laughs> yeah. with a lot of film adaptations anyway. Right. But it's still the obvious answer of what part of the anime canon has the most potential to benefit from a remake? It's absolutely Black Cauldron. I think so, too. Um, I do have some other answers, though, because I knew we were both going to talk about Black Cauldron. <laughs> and I think, I think for me, the key is two things for the live-action uh, reboots, which is, one, it should predominantly star humans. Yeah. Because if it's one of the animal movies, then they do that awful, not-live-action CGI that I hate with yep. all my heart. Mm -hmm. um, so it needs to predominantly star humans, and it needs to be a movie that was not originally very good mm -hmm. right so the the whole reason it's like yeah remake black cauldron is because who cares about the black cauldron <laughs> you know like who's gonna be like no they ruined my childhood like i'm sure five weirdos but it's yeah you know it's not like aladdin right um so so here's some other answers in that vein uh hercules mm -hmm. you could do a ton of stuff with a live action hercules movie yeah that would probably be better than that okay movie mm -hmm. but you know there's there's plenty you could still do there uh hunchback of notre dame like, <laughs> same thing right yeah. like that movie is kind of a non-starter yeah at least based on the last viewing who knows maybe when we come back to it we'll we'll like it a lot more but and it stars humans yep. so there's more you could do there and then uh i kind of wavered on this one but maybe atlantis maybe i wondered about that one too I actually was looking at that one as a potential. That one might make a good live action movie, but I couldn't, I don't remember it well enough to be like, how well would this translate? See, I've seen that movie fairly recently and I, it has a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. I think overall I like that movie, yeah. but it's like, you could do a lot to make this better. <laughs> Um, and it's like all humans. So, you know, yeah. that's that part satisfied. But so much of what is good about that movie is the animation and the new animation techniques they invented for it. And we'll mm -hmm. talk about all that when we get there. And it's like, it probably would, it would lose something in atmosphere and like style if you turned it to live action, but you could probably make a better like story. Mm -hmm. So... I go back and forth. Now, I did like that this question also says, what about an animated remake? Because that, that's an interesting idea and yeah. something Disney doesn't really do. And an answer that immediately came to mind for me, we actually talked about it in its episode, is I would be interested in seeing a full Wind in the Willows Disney movie. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, and then I was also thinking, you know what I'd actually not mind seeing? Technically not a, not a remake, uh, but a sequel. I could do with a Rescuers 3. Yeah, yeah. Even though you it's CGI. You can always do more stories with the Rescuers. Yeah, I'm, I think you'd have to recast it, right? Uh, you'd definitely have to recast at least one of the roles. I, I'll be honest, I don't remember if Bob Newhart's alive still. Bob Newhart is still alive, but yeah. I just think, you know... <laughs> He's very old, and I don't know if that's what you want. But I don't think either the Gabor sisters are alive anymore. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. But I bet somebody um, could do the voice. What I the other thing I was gonna say is I would be open to another doing one of the fairy tale ones again, but making it different. Like they made Maleficent very different from Sleeping Beauty. I wouldn't yeah. even mind if they did another Cinderella, but make it more like. Um, the 
you know, this book series I read where it's called Cinder, where it's, you know, Cinderella, but in kind of a steampunk sci-fi setting, like Treasure Planet is a remake of, you know, Treasure Island, Island. but in a sci-fi setting kind of. So take, you know, take one of these fairy tale stories and plop it in a different setting and do a whole new retelling of it. I'd be open to any of those because, again, they are, as you said, um, humans mainly as the characters so right there are a thousand ways you can do sleeping beauty yeah that aren't the existing movie i mean they yeah. already did that one with maleficent but there's still more you know likewise as or you say Snow White. there are there are so many different versions of the cinderella story yeah like as we talked about a little bit in that episode again you know, you could do a live-action Cinderella movie that had some interesting takes. Unfortunately, they did a live-action Cinderella movie that was just the movie you've already seen, but worse, which yeah. is the worst way to do it. But yeah, any of those fairy tales, you can just keep finding new angles on. Yeah. I mean, did was Ella Enchanted a Disney movie? Um, I don't believe so, but I'm not sure. It was distributed by Miramax Films in the United States, but it was yeah. distributed by Buena Vista abroad. Well, I yeah. So, eh, kind of. They I mean, were because in, they it, were involved in some way. Yeah, they were involved because it was also like it was a co-production in Ireland and the UK, and that's where Buena Vista like was. So, yeah, they they had their fingers in that pie, and I don't think that movie is great. But it's a lot of fun though. Yeah, and that's, you know, that proves you could do another version of it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love Anne Hathaway in that movie just because I love Anne Hathaway. (laughs) So I think we've covered that question. Second question, uh, which movie or movies would you consider the scariest Disney movie? I think the Disney movie that scared me the most when I was a kid was Watcher in the Woods. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't write down what year that was from. Don't worry about it. Doesn't it's not matter. Important. It's a mailbag episode. It's true. It, it's a movie from a time. <laughs> uh, I didn't know it at the time, or you know, I wasn't aware. But uh, Betty Davis is in that. But when she's quite old, but she still has those eyes, and they're extremely <laughs> creepy in this movie because she's kind of a creepy old lady. Um, yep. But she is she the Watcher in the Woods? No, I don't think I've ever not. seen this. <laughs> really? You haven't seen it? Oh, oh no, wait. Oh no, I think I'm pretty sure I think we, we did see it. this. I'm, but I'm I don't sure remember we watched it, very it with well. you guys. No, we probably only watched it once or so, but I'd seen it a few times. Um, I remember now, I think we watched this for I, I remember a particular Halloween yeah. where we stayed in watching movies, which is kind of what we do every Halloween. And the movies of choice were uh, monsters versus aliens, <laughs> which is like the freebie. This will not freak you out. Yeah. And then you guys were really trying to get, especially me, like closer to horror adjacent. Cause we've talked about how, when I was a kid, yeah. I was scared of everything. So the other two movies were watcher in the woods um, and army of darkness. <laughs> uh, and I remember it was a very fun evening watching those three movies and yeah. army of darkness is the one that imprinted on me forever. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wondered if uh, Watcher in the Woods would have still scared you quite a bit because there's a bit of almost mind control, mental possession goes on in it. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was kind of borderline for me at that time. I think I was like, I don't know. Again, if I recall, it was like, we're going to watch this one first, but Isaac, we promise we're going (laughs) to watch these two sillier movies afterwards. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
Uh, I have no idea if Monsters vs. Aliens holds up. I kind of enjoyed it at the time, yeah. I, but I've never felt the impulse to revisit it. I can barely remember it. <laughs> but Watcher in the Woods. Yep. I would say that's probably the one that scared me the most as a kid. For me, the one that scared me the most as a kid, if I'm being totally honest, is a movie we're going to cover, which is The Little Mermaid. <laughs> that is still... Ursula the Sea Witch is still the villain I have the strongest memory of being truly frightened of from a <laughs> Disney movie. Wow. Um, which is ridiculous, but <laughs> nonetheless true. I'm sure we can talk about more of that. And, and yeah. to Ursula... It's weird because I don't even think Ursula is that scary now. Like, Ka freaks me out <laughs> a little bit. You know, obviously, I, I'm a grown man, but <laughs> a little bit, you know, it's still like, yeah, I can, like, feel a little creepiness from this. Mm-hmm. Um, Ursula is just funny for the most part. It was specifically, though, at the end where she's big. Anytime something was big, that was a problem. <laughs> um, but uh, my answer as an adult for, like, the scariest Disney movie, one that I actually forgot was Disney until I watched this, but a movie I would consider straight up a horror film uh which is something wicked this way comes oh yeah the uh 1983 version uh based on the ray bradbury novel uh from screenplay he wrote Mm -hmm. starring jason robards jonathan price uh and who cares like (laughs) (laughs) i I mean there are some other good actors in it barely seen it i think i've seen it it once maybe twice Mm -hmm. i think it's a pretty good movie and again, like that, I I don't know if I can think of a Disney film that's scarier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a pretty chilling movie based on a pretty chilling story. I mean, yeah. the devil yeah. is is there. It's wandering around. That's Jonathan Price. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's a that's a pretty good little movie. I don't know if that's on Disney Plus. I might, don't think it so. honestly might be too scary for Disney Plus. Yeah. Because they really try to keep it in that family zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, the the question as originally asked, which we did modify, specified, it had to be a Walt Disney Pictures film. Right. Which both of these were. Because otherwise, like, Disney owns Fox, so, you know, Alien. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's true. Yeah, if you're going into things that don't say Walt Disney on the tin, um you get to a lot more scary or violent or creepy, you know, you can get really down the right. horror genre. Um, but if it just says Disney on it, there's not as much. Right. A movie that they actually made, right. not ones that they bought the rights to later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next question, favorite live action Disney film, and also which live action Disney film would you most be interested in covering for the podcast? Well, picking my favorite live-action Disney film is very hard. I was looking through (laughs) the list of live-action Disney movies, and I was going, I just love so many of these. But if I had to narrow it down to a couple, because I couldn't even narrow it down to just one, um, I really like The Rocketeer. That's one of my favorite live action Disney movies um, from 91. Yes. Directed by Joe Johnston, who would go on to direct uh, another Disney film of note, the first Captain America. 
Yeah. Um, in my opinion, the best of the Captain Americas. And he's he's done some other things as well. Uh, and he started as a Star Wars guy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean it's a it's a good director. Yeah. It's a good it's a good, I I'll be honest, I haven't seen that movie for a while. I'm I'm well overdue for a rewatch. Yeah. That movie's just a lot of fun to me. And when I was uh first watching it as a high school girl, I thought the main star was so cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the uh female actress the main actress in it is uh Jennifer Connolly, so I was like, Oh, she's got my name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway that one's always been a favorite of mine um for an older movie that is just hilarious every time i watch it and i won't say it's a great movie but i just love it anyway hot lead and cold feet (laughs) and when they meet it'll be like hot pot and cold cast yes that's a fun movie. That's a fun movie. I watched it again last night because I was thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is not on Disney Plus, unfortunately, but I do own the DVD. That's a crock. I that know, should, it should That be. should be on... That is the type of movie Disney Plus was made for. You're going to have Candle Shoe on there, but okay, you're not going to have Hot Lead and Cold Feet. I as well. I like Candle Shoe too, but, but you, you know but what I'm Hot saying. Hot Lead and Cold Feet has Jim Dale doing three amazing roles. <laughs> right. So the the premise of Hot Lead and Cold Feet, which we definitely encourage people to track down, there's uh, Jim Dale plays uh, a guy who is, you know, a vicious cowboy. It's a Western, yep. but mostly it's a comedy. And so Hot Lead is, there's this guy who's a vicious cowboy. You know, he's Wild Billy. Wild Billy. Wild Billy. And then Cold Feet, there's this guy who's like a lame coward. Eli. And they're twin Eli. brothers. Yes, both played by Jim Dale, who also plays their weird dad. <laughs> their father, who they think has died, um, and so they're going to get their inheritance and also find out that, oh my goodness, there's another one, because they didn't know. They were raised separately. And uh, he pretends to die so that he can get them to do this contest to see who's going to get win the inheritance, the town and the money and the land and you know, very wealthy inheritance. Mm-hmm. So one is a psalm singer, as they call him, because he's a preacher. Bo- and the other one is um, wild and crazy and shoots people on sight. <laughs> right. It's a great title and it has a great, well, I don't know if it's a great theme song, but it's perfect <laughs> for what the movie is. Well, and I always it, remember it. Yes. According, according to your, your father and your brother who were watching this movie with me yesterday, it has a terrible theme song, but it is extremely <laughs> memorable. And it basically tells you the story of the movie right before you watch it. So it's kind of it, fun. It's probably objectively <laughs> a terrible theme song, but again, it's like, yeah. It's right for the movie, and it's the first thing you think of, yep. so there's something compelling about it. And then and, there's... And a, it is that, yeah. and when they meet, it'll be like hot yep. lead cold yep. feet. My favorite live-action Disney film. I knew what it was immediately, yeah. and I, like, did due diligence. I looked at a bunch of others, because, <laughs> like, there are others that I would count among my favorite movies. Uh, the first... Yeah, like... Who Framed Roger Rabbit mm-hmm. uh, is up there, although I think it's dropped a bit recently. It's still up there. Yeah. Mary Poppins. It's also a great one movie. One of my favorites. Yeah. A movie we've been kind of talking around a lot recently. <laughs> but my favorite live action Disney film is. Dun, 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 dun. 
It's Pirates of the Caribbean 3 at World's End. Speaking of great soundtracks, I really enjoy all of the first three Pirates of the Caribbean movies, the ones directed by Gore Verbinski. I don't like the fourth one very much, and the fifth one is a tire fire. It's unwatchable. Um, I really like all three of those first movies, but the third one is my favorite. I mean, I like pirate stuff in general. I'm like really generous to anything with pirates, (laughs) but, uh, I think those movies are really good. And I think the third one, especially because the first of those movies is pretty much just a straightforward action film borrows liberally from Star Wars. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can map a lot of the characters one to one. It's Star Wars with pirates and that's fun. The second one is weird, and it's mostly a bridge between the two movies. The third one is truly an auteur blockbuster of the kind we don't get a lot anymore, and of the kind I truly think Disney will never allow to exist again. It's a beautiful movie. Verbinski's a great director, um, and it has really great cinematography. It's three hours long. It's based on Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid in terms of plot and Mm -hmm. themes where it's like these characters in the world leaving them behind. It's about how capitalism and industry and business is bad. (laughs) The main villain literally dies just repeating it's just good business. Yep. Um, It has one of the coolest action scenes ever. Mm -hmm. I love it. I completely love it. It's very good. Um, I like that. I love the Pirates of the Caribbean movies also, but I figured you'd be picking it so it's like i'm just gonna pick something talk about something else because the the second half of this question that you put on here which live action disney film would you be most interested in covering for the podcast we could talk about the pirates of the caribbean movies all day long (laughs) absolutely i i mean i have like a partial i used to do a show on the internet called second opinion which was mostly video game focused um, and which was a nightmare to create and release. And so I stopped doing it. <laughs> it was also tied to a nightmare job. But, um, and the, the whole premise was I would take things that, like, the the prominent critical position was one thing, and I'd take the opposite approach as a critical e- uh, exercise. Yeah. So if everybody loved a thing, I'd talk about why it was bad. If everybody disliked a thing, I'd talk about why it was good. It was contrarianism, the show, but I tried to be, you know, more intellectually honest than that, mm-hmm. which didn't matter because, again, nobody actually watched the videos. They just looked at the title and commented, you're wrong. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I've read the critical body of work on this thing. Mm-hmm. But so I like one of the things I always kind of wanted to do was uh, Pirates 3 because the Pirates of the Caribbean movies in general, I feel, are not very respected um, partially because I think the, you know, recent ones are so bad and like, we're all sick of Disney franchises, <laughs> but I think that original trilogy is very genuinely good. interesting yep. and yeah, very good, a ton of fun. And the third movie really is Gore Verbinski tricked Disney into giving him at the time, the most money anyone had ever been <laughs> given for a movie. And he was like, great. It's going to be a weird, like dark night of the soul featuring crabs <laughs> the main character like the funny guy who everyone loved is gonna spend the whole movie afraid of death yeah. there's gonna be completely incomprehensible lore again it's gonna mm. be based off butch cassidy and sundance kid the movie opens with a child being hanged from the neck until death yep 
It's it's a terrific film. It's perfect. <laughs> I really love that movie. Uh, I, Isaiah and I would watch those movies almost every summer. And last year during the pandemic, he and I and my girlfriend watched those movies virtually via the magic of Disney Plus together. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, especially because you guys just rewatched them fairly recently. We did. I'm kind of like... It might be time for the annual rewatch. They they are still very good. We we just watched the original trilogy. I may go mm-hmm. on and watch four. I've not ever seen five based on your recommendation. <laughs> um, but I mean, maybe you'd like it more. But who knows? Yeah, it's, I don't know if you want to bother. <laughs> it's it's okay. But I was gonna say, um, the the soundtrack for Pirates of the Caribbean is so good. That even when I've watched some other shit movie or pirate movie, I end up with the Pirates of the Caribbean song (laughs) stuck in my head after. Because we watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies and then we watched, um, we were just kind of on Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World. world, And then we watched Cutthroat Island. And I'm still singing the Pirates of the Caribbean theme song, you know, after all of those, even though yep. it is not even remotely the same. <laughs> right. I, li- I like all those movies a lot. Yeah. Again, sucker for like anything pirates, anything boats. Yep. But, yep. I mean, Master and Commander, not a Disney film at all, not at but all. absolutely like one of my favorite movies. Yep. Um, that people didn't like at the time because it wasn't Pirates of the Caribbean, but... Mm-hmm. The, the the wise man's take is that both are great. They're totally different, but <laughs> it's okay yeah. for them to be all different. Right. If we can have eight hundred superhero movies, we can have two boat movies, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and different uh, styles, yes. But yeah, I, definitely I could I could talk about especially Pirate Three. Like I say, I've had yep. this script bouncing around. I, I threatened on Twitter if cer- if a certain condition was met. I was like, I'll release it this year if the condition wasn't met. So everyone has to wait, but I, I could certainly talk about Pirates. The other thing I like about Pirates 3, I, I promise is the last thing. <laughs> I feel like a lot of trilogies, especially movie trilogies, don't end very well. Sometimes. Or the, yeah, or, you know, the ending is maybe not as good. Like, I love Star Wars a lot of Star Wars, not all of Star Wars. Um, and this is technically Disney related, but <laughs> I think uh, Return of the Jedi is, although there's a lot I love in it. Like, I really love that movie. I think it's underrated. I do think it's probably the weakest of the original trilogy. I know it's your favorite. I love so it. So this is just, this is just my opinions. Um, and like, obviously the sequel trilogy of Star Wars movies, that was going in it really interesting directions unambiguously the last one is the worst yeah of that and like pirates really sticks the landing i think and i like the fact that the last one is the best one it makes it feel very satisfying mm-hmm. um and i even love when that it's not ride, tri- so you know it all works yes. out <laughs> it, even when it's not a trilogy like uh, with the avengers movies i really like the first one i really like age of ultron and then infinity war and endgame I could totally not ever watch again. I, mm-hmm. I don't think those are very good. I don't think they pay off the character arcs very well. And again, it, that sort of thing just makes me appreciate that, like, they did it. They nailed yep. it. Yeah. Pirates. Um, but, uh, but yeah. What is your favorite Disney tie-in video game? 
probably my favorite because I love all those Lego video games is Lego Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> because that's the <laughs> only Lego one that actually I did see there's a Lego the there... In... there's a Lego the Incredibles game but I never had that one I was gonna say that there was Lego the Incredibles but also I never like had do you count the Mar do you count the Marvel one um I wasn't but I guess you could. Because that Lego Marvel Superheroes. Lego Marvel is, Superheroes is, is a lot of fun. I did like that one quite a bit. Um, I probably. Do they am own one of Indiana the... Jones? No. No? No, not Who a, owns I, Indiana Jones? Well, I think. Oh, did, do they now? Yeah, probably, because it's Lucasfilm. But at the time when the Indiana Jones games. I don't know. I was Either just way, looking for. Disney, you can also get Star Wars now too. Okay. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So, but I love those pirates. Lego unambiguous, games. unambiguously pirates. Unambiguously, the Pirates of the Caribbean one is based on a Disney move, series of movies, and that was Disney when the games. Correct. Were made. Correct. Yes. It's Disney all the way down. That's <laughs> right. why I picked that one of the multitude of those Lego video games that I own because for a while yeah. I owned them all. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. But um, I liked quite I liked them quite a bit, uh, and when we watched the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, I remember the parts of the video game where you do certain things that are similar. To, and it's like this is I'm probably one of the few people who gets these memories while watching the movies. Right. But um, I also quite liked for just a. Um, I also quite liked the Buzz Lightyear of Star Command video game yes that you guys had i'm still waiting talk about those lego games i'm still waiting for that lego star wars the skywalker saga yeah because i've been wanting to replay those I, and play the, the new was, editions it was coming it got out delayed. Though, delayed. it was gonna come out it was gonna come out in april 2021 yeah they delayed it they have not announced when it's coming out interesting just release it yeah those games already exist in full well, they you were adding, I thought they were adding more to the it. The ninth movie, there was not a standalone game for the ninth yeah. movie. Everything else, I think, is going to be existing. Con. I don't know, right. whatever. I want that. I agree with you, the Lego games are fun. But I'm glad you mentioned uh, Buzz Lightyear Star Command. That game was my favorite, definitely, when mm -hmm. I was a kid. It was a video game just called Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, which is confusing because that's also the name of a TV show and most yep. of the name of a movie. Yep. All based on the TV show. Mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid, I loved that game. Uh, I, I, I'm i sure I would still enjoy it for nostalgia factor if there's any way to play it now. Yeah, it's um, it, it was, was hard, a, though. Like, yeah, there was there was quite a few of those Disney video games that were quite hard to master. And even I was like really proud of the fact that I managed to 100% win Buzz Lightyear of Star Command because it's not easy to get everything to 100% that game. It's going to be a future episode, but that Emperor's New Groove game was impossible. Oh, was, yeah. These, I never these were all... did that well on that one. The controls on that one were so complicated. Right. These were what we're specifically referring to are the games that were developed by Traveler's Tales yeah, Traveler's and published Tales. by published by Activision and Disney Interactive that were like kind of of a piece. Yeah. Traveler's Tales now, by the way, appropriately enough, 
just releases the Lego games. That's all <laughs> yeah. they've done since 2007 yeah. is release those Lego games. And uh, they're good, so... <laughs> and they're pretty good. Um, but mine... Uh, my my actual answer for my favorite yeah. would be another Traveler's Tales game, another game of this series, which is Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear to the Rescue, mm-hmm. inexplicably released on PC as... Buzz Lightyear Toy Story 2 action game. <laughs> which sounds like a Chinese bootleg of itself. Right. But, um, and here's here's the thing. When I was a kid, that one was not my favorite. And a big part of that, honestly, was Buzz Lightyear Star Command was the one that, quote-unquote, I owned. It was given to me. <laughs> and the Toy Story 2 one was the one that, quote-unquote, Isaiah owned. It was oh. given to him. And so obviously that's, you know, I, we ha- I had we got to, them, I, I feel like around the same time. Or... Yeah, I think it, I think it might have been the same gift giving session. It, it's it didn't matter except to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of but them the were of... very similar in gameplay and um, things. Yes, but somewhat. Uh, I don't Toy recall Story if 2... I ever 100%ed Toy Story 2. I might have once. That one also was a bit challenging sometimes. Some of the extra I... things. I beat Toy Story 2 as a kid, so I have yeah. to assume you did. I probably did. Um, whereas Buzz Lightyear Star Command, I think I also beat that one, but it was much harder. So the, the, the first Buzz Lightyear Star the first time we won the we beat the Buzz Lightyear Star Command game, though, it was because we found a glitch. We couldn't get through that one level until we got yes. glitched. Canis Lunas 2. Yep. Um, but uh, the Buzz Lightyear Star Command video game was a third-person shooter where... You had to pick up specific colors of guns to attack specific mm-hmm. enemies, which incidentally was a gameplay mechanic the game did not really adequately explain to you. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> but so it was like a weird mix of a puzzle game. It was also a race because you had Sometimes, to get, yeah. You had to get to the end of the game um, of the level of the level, sorry. You had to get to the end of the level Within a certain amount of time of the boss getting there. Right. And then you had to attack the boss. Right. And, and beat them. Yeah. And that's where the color-coded guns come in. Yeah, because they'd have different um, colors of shields or things. Yeah, it's super weird. <laughs> it's a course, very strange... There were also a bunch of things that you were supposed to pick up or do on the way. And you couldn't always pick them all up or do them on the way and get there in time. So it was... It was very and, tricky. Yeah, it was a very strange mix, mishmash yep. of genres. Um, Buzz Lightyear, uh, Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear to the Rescue is basically just for anyone who knows video games. It's a Banjo-Kazooie ripoff or any of those Rare games um, where it, Rare was a company that made video games mm-hmm. of a similar type, not games that are hard to find. <laughs> but but um, where it's you have to collect a certain number of tokens to progress from one level to the next. Yeah. And there's various people around who you get those tokens from so like ham will be in most levels because uh, it's based on toy story 2 so ham the pig and he'll be like give me 50 gold coins and i'll give you one of these tokens yeah um, and you play through levels based on the game and based it's, it's a pretty fun based on the movie sorry and it's a pretty fun game it has a great great soundtrack mm-hmm. a soundtrack that is no business whatsoever being as good as it is yeah, because i remember they it. just they just hired two British jazz musicians and they just wrote like a bunch of jazz songs and they're really mm-hmm. quite good. I, I, that's another soundtrack I listened to. But the reason that one is my favorite now, even though it wasn't my favorite as a kid, 
um, is primarily because in college, uh, a close friend of mine and I realized we had both played this game as kids. Yep. And we both had somewhat nostalgic memories of it, mm-hmm. and we were like, we discovered this, and we were like, oh yeah, I remember this, and we were both sharing the soundtrack around, like, wow, this sounds so good. And so then we actually... Our dorm room had a Nintendo 64 mm-hmm. for some reason. It was a nerd computer science dorm. That's my explanation. Yeah. And so I actually bought, I found online, a Nintendo 64 <laughs> cartridge of this game. Because it was released for Nintendo 64, PlayStation, and the PC version we had. But of course, that's unplayable right, on modern computers. Right. So I bought the Nintendo 64 cartridge. We spent a night just playing it straight through. And that became a thing we would do sometimes is we would just load it. And of course, as an adult, it was like trivially Mm -hmm. easy. Well, and I always wondered on those games if they would have been a lot easier on a console because their controls frequently seemed like if you were using a controller, you could control things better because a lot of times you had to do things diagonally or whatever, right? So you're doing W and D or the two arrows together and not, you know, trying to get it aimed just so on the computer was occasionally extremely hard. But I always wondered if they would be a lot easier with a controller where you could just, you know, use a joystick to go the right direction. Right. But yeah, so, you know, I I not only have the nostalgic memories as a kid, but then this solidified a friendship in college. Mm -hmm. And it was such a fun, goofy thing we just did Mm -hmm. where we, like, stayed up way late, way past midnight, playing Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. And I'm still very close friends with that person. And so that's... You know, that that's a thing we refer back to. And so that is my favorite. <laughs> I doubt it's the best Disney video game, objectively. Oh, but yeah. that will always be my favorite. Yeah. What is your favorite Disney thing that most people don't know about? Um, Other than Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear to the Rescue, <laughs> a.k.a. Buzz Lightyear Toy Story 2 action game. Right. Um, well, I was... This question was a little bit tricky for me. I was... Um, feeling like, well, what would I know about that people wouldn't know about? But you pointed out probably correctly that some of those uh, older movies that I've seen are probably not very well known nowadays. Um, Mm -hmm. Ones, uh, some that I like are um, Condor Man, which has another great Condor Man! Which is a very silly, silly movie based on uh, where a writer of comic books gets to live the life of his character. (laughs) A writer of comic books. He is not an agent of the CIA. (laughs) He is not an agent of the CIA. He He is is a writer writer of of comic comic books. books. Yes. Um, Which was in the like VHS trailer for Disney movies in general, not for that specific movie. But right, the the equivalent to the uh, Disney DVD trailer we shared on our Twitter recently. <laughs> I was yes. like, we have our heading. Here we go. DDD. Yes, yes. <laughs> the VHS version of that. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And and even um, yeah, the old VHSs, like the ones that we got when I was a kid, had this on it. Um, right. And I always thought that movie was. So much fun, even though it is really yeah. kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a cinematic masterpiece. Nope. 
But no, that's totally a fun but I, movie. I tend to really like the movies that make me laugh. What a surprise. <laughs> you might not mm-hmm. have figured that out about me yet. What? <laughs> um, and uh, another great another great movie it starring Peter Ustinov is Blackbeard's Ghost, mm-hmm. which has some great stuff in it. Uh, that was the first Disney movie of any kind, even though it's live action, to come out after Walt's death. So mm-hmm. it's historically a big deal. Yeah. But I do feel like a lot of people these days have not seen it mm-hmm. or heard of it. I mean, yeah. the entire story of it is, you know, kind of silly and ridiculous, but it has a lot of the, I think of them as the Disney actors, like Suzanne Plushett yes. and... Um, and that's it. Well, I, I'm trying to remember the name of the, 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 the other guy actor who sees Blackbeard's ghost first and everybody thinks he's going crazy because he keeps reacting to something that's not there because he said this dean dean jones dean jones yes i was like it's dean something but i couldn't remember his last name yes dean jones and uh because he says a magic spell and so then he can see blackbeard's ghost but nobody else can and uh, peter ustinov is playing blackbeard and it's quite funny right i loved that movie as a kid yep it's a pirate movie. More than I movie, do now. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. Pirate right, movie. That's pirate what I was going to say. Yep. Even though it's barely a pirate movie. Exactly. But it's it's, <laughs> it's also a dumb sports movie. It's like a, a, a you know, a, a terrible sports team getting to win movie. <laughs> it, it's a very strange film. It is. But, and Peter Ustinov is, like, single-handedly carries it, of yeah. course. I mean, I mean yeah, I, li- I like those other movie. performers. Yeah, I like those other performers as well. But really, here's the premise of this film. Peter Ustinov. <laughs> yes. Um, it has a great poster, by the way. I looked it up so I could find Dean Jones' name. The poster, the original poster for this movie yeah. is what looks like empty pirate clothes driving a motorcycle, <laughs> holding a pirate flag with a hot dog above it. Yeah, and yeah. And there's two taglines. Freewheeling, fun-loving, he's out of sight. But the better <laughs> tagline is... It's super naturally. Yeah, yep. And of course, like, it also has uh, Elsa Lan- Lancaster. Lan- Lan- Lanchester. I'm not really sure how you say her last name. She has a great role in that mm-hmm. as well as yep. one of the descendants of Blackbeard's crew, or possibly Blackbeard goes- himself. Yeah, but this ghost pirate riding a motorcycle. I mean, yep, yep. this this would be a great tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, my favorite Disney thing that most people don't know about. So I have three in what I think are increasing levels of obscurity. (laughs) Um, so depending on your level of Disney knowledge, I'm hoping there's at least one of these you haven't heard of. One of them is Wander Over Yonder, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a TV show that like Pirates of the Caribbean, you guys just finished watching. Well, yeah, we had Um, never heard of it, but we, this was, you know, a, a Disney Channel show when... You were a kid, or not even when I was a kid. This college, or this was college. This was a college show. But my point is, you guys weren't even kids at home when this was a thing, so it's not like we would ever have been watching it. So, right, this was a show I discovered in college, along with uh, some others I might talk about. But um, 
It's I I feel like this one is somewhat heard of. It's definitely a cult classic. That it has a dedicated group of fans, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. a lot I would say the wider populace still don't know about it. It recently got added to Disney Plus, and yeah. that's when I was like, "You guys must watch <laughs> this show is really good, and you will enjoy it." And, and we did. Uh, I think you you guys did. We did. It was what, quite fun. Basic. Wander Over Yonder is, a, is an animated show by Craig McCracken, who is the producer, or who was the showrunner of uh, Powerpuff Girls, and also, um, more recently, Kid Cosmic on Netflix, which is another show that I think is flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wonder Over Yonder is a show where he had to fight Disney every step of the way while making it, mm-hmm. and they canceled it earlier than he wanted, he wanted them to. But it's about Wander. It's a science fiction show. It's about a character named Wander and uh, his steed, Sylvia. He's sort of a cowboy, but so mostly he's of... just this living avatar of niceness, and he yep. goes around helping people. It never um, hurts and to help. Never hurts to help. <laughs> um, and he goes up against one of my favorite cackling maniac villains, Lord Hater, mm-hmm. and his sidekick, Commander Peepers. Commander and Peepers! It's just- Yes, and it's just it's just purely funny. Like it's not a very deep show, although it does get into some interesting stuff in the second season. Yeah. Mostly it's just it's kind of like some of these older shorts we're talking about where it's just the joy of animation because it has really silly, really technically interesting animation. Um and like just jokes mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, each like each episode is almost all of them are made up of two 12-minute shorts. Yeah. Or, you know, 12 minute ish. Um, and I think it's a ton of fun. And I wish it got more attention. Although there is also a weird contingent of fans who are like, bring it back! The third season mm-hmm. must see the light of day. And I'm like, no, we got two good seasons. Yeah, that's that's yeah. fine. Like, I wouldn't mind a third season. But I, I think a lot of those movements to like, uncancel a show that's been canceled. I'm mm-hmm. most of the time I'm like, we have the show and it was good. Yeah. Maybe if it had gone on longer, it would have become bad. Exactly. At least it stopped when it was good. Yeah. That's how I feel about even Firefly, perhaps <laughs> controversially. Especially now, like the idea they'd bring Firefly back now is ludicrous. No, no, but even when there was any potential chance of that happening, I was like, I don't know, Firefly's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure they could have done more. but I will say that um, the, at the very beginning, when we first started watching Wander Over Yonder... I felt like the first few episodes just seemed really hyper. And I was like, I can only take a couple of these at once. Um, but I felt- as the series went on, either I got used to it or it kind of settles down into something better. And it just didn't feel quite as frenetic later on mm-hmm. as it did at the beginning. Um, I think it improves as it goes on. That's what I'm trying to say. So I, if people do be like, well, maybe I'll give that show a try. If you know, you need something short to watch every once in a while, pop one of those on. Um, just know that I felt like it, at the beginning, I'm like, okay. But then as it went on, I'm like, yeah, this is good. I, I absolutely agree that it goes better as gets better as it goes on. Um, the second season is leagues ahead of the first and even like, you know, the second half of the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I had the exact same feeling as you were like in my, you know, Disney animation nerd circles online. Mm-hmm. I was hearing about how the show was so great. 
And so I started watching it from the beginning and I was like, this? <laughs> but I do feel like if you persevere for a little bit, you know, if you at least give it like four episodes, yeah. you'll start to kind of see it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually it really finds its footing. Yeah. The main thing is once they figure out what to do with Lord Hater and Commander Peepers, <laughs> that's I feel like when it really starts to work, when they're like, actually, the villains are almost more interesting the, the heroes need these villains, like, to play off of, and yeah. the villains are almost the the main characters who are being affected <laughs> by the hero. Um, so, Wander Over Yonder, big recommend. It's on Disney Plus now, so everyone can watch it, and uh, you should. It's definitely better than whatever the latest Marvel show is. Loki um, just came out. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh... And then uh, Tomorrowland is a Disney thing. I, I knew you were, were going to bring that one up. <laughs> I really like the. F- so not the attraction, of course, the film Tomorrowland directed by Brad Bird is a movie that's a dang mess. But I really like it's a really charming retro sci fi film. Mm-hmm. Feels like it owes a little bit of influence to the Rocketeer. I would Could say. Be, yeah. Especially the main character with his jetpack. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, Hugh Laurie's the villain in it, and it's it's for me, it's just like such a feel good movie, yeah. and it's a movie that's really reckoning with, uh, like what sci fi is, mm-hmm. because basically it's about like Tomorrowland is this mystical technological wonderland that, at the beginning of the film, is what sci fi looked like in the sixties, where yeah. it's super optimistic the world's going to be great, mm-hmm. but has now become what sci fi is now, where it's dystopian and absolutely mm. the world is going to end. And it's it's reckoning with like the disconnect there and what that says about societal attitudes. Again, I acknowledge it's a movie with flaws, um, but I am just captivated by it every mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Again, I think like it looks great. Brad Bird is, of course, a very good visual director who's yeah. done a lot of Disney stuff and also a Mission Impossible movie that I could completely take or leave. Uh, so Tomorrowland, I recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I made a lot of my friends mad in 2015 by saying <laughs> that I liked it better than Mad Max Fury Road, which I now acknowledge is wrong. I mean, well, it's, wrong. it's hard to it's... like anything better than Mad Max Fury Road. I'll say this. Mad Max Fury Road, absolutely, unquestionably, a much better movie. I really love Tomorrowland. <laughs> in, I, in terms I of my personal... Tomorrowland is also a fun, good movie. In terms of my personal preference, I don't know what I like more. Mm. Tomorrowland is like... Again, it's just such a feel-good movie for yep, me. Like, yep. I can put it on and I'm just... Calms me down. Mm. I also... You know, talking about like sequel spin-offs, remakes, rides and reboots or, or merchandise stuff or whatever. I spent years tracking down a Tomorrowland pin like the one in the movie. Yeah. And I have it. I'm looking at it right now. Finally mm-hmm. found it uh, at a random con in Kansas City. Yep. And I have it and I love it and I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. And I will never trade that Disney pin. Never. Yours forever. Uh, Okay, and then here's my most obscure thing. <laughs> this episode has gone super long. That's probably not surprising. But here's here's my third super obscure thing. And I feel like this one almost nobody has heard of. Two More Eggs. <laughs> Two More Eggs is a show that was on Disney XD sometimes, but is available in its entirety on YouTube. 
because it was primarily Disney's attempt to have more short shows that would you could fit into random programming breaks, but that especially you could put on YouTube um, and, you know, try to try to make some money from YouTube content. Yeah. The recent Mickey Mouse shorts started as this and yeah. are a lot more successful. Um, but Two More Eggs was a show that was made by the creators of one of my favorite things in all of existence, which is Homestar Runner. Which I feel like, if you are a millennial of a certain age, <laughs> it's like our version of The Simpsons, where it's like, there's a quote from it for every situation, mm -hmm. we're like obsessed with it, it totally captured the pop culture zeitgeist of our childhoods, mm -hmm. it's kind of inexplicable. Um, I, I only like, know about two more eggs because Isaiah, your brother was bringing it up for something just recently, there was a character in yes. the movie that he was like who is this reminding me of? What is this reminding me of? And it was something from Two More Eggs. And so he pulled it up on YouTube to show it to us. And we were like, I don't really think it's that much like that, but whatever, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Isaiah. That's a thing. Like, again, you you kind of already have to be on the Homestar Runner wavelength. Oh, I mean, we watched um, all the Homestar Runner too. So we were yeah, watching but... it before we let you watch it. Still. Um, but like... Yeah, so Two More Eggs is these very short, surreal adventures that, like Homestar Runner, start off totally disconnected, but then start to bleed into each other. Mm -hmm. I think they're hilarious. After Isaiah showed it to you guys recently, mm -hmm. he and I started talking about it, and it's one of those <laughs> things where just when we were talking about it, I had to rewatch all of it, which <laughs> each episode is two minutes long, right. so even though there's three seasons, like, you know, it took me a couple hours, right, probably. Right, right, right. Um, but I really like Two More Eggs, and uh, the, the Homestar Runner guys working for Disney was a really interesting period of their <laughs> careers, and I feel like Two More Eggs kind of killed it, because, like, you know, because they don't work for, like, Gravity Falls, and yeah. I think even they might have been slightly involved with Wander Over Yon, like, they were just around Disney XD at the time, and they were like, we'll give you guys your own show. We want shorts. You were best known for making internet shorts. Mm. Make internet shorts. And then okay. because they're the brothers' <laughs> chaps, they made something that was incredibly strange and incredibly specific. Right. And I don't know that anyone watched it except Homestar Runner fans. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it totally failed. <laughs> but I'm glad it exists anyway. Yeah. Uh, here's one that should be short. Favorite Star Wars character introduced in the Disney films? Finn. You can, you can say a little more. <laughs> I really like Finn. Okay, I will say, when talking about the the Disney films, I am leaving off anything that happened in the in Rise of the Skywalker because I only watched that movie once and I don't remember it and I didn't really like it anyway. So yeah, I don't think your favorite character, unless it's Palpatine on a coat hanger. I wondered I don't if think you were gonna say he was your favorite character from New Star Wars, but. Um, no. <laughs> we make the most jokes about Palpatine on a coat hanger. So there is that. Um, right. I, I despise that movie. We, to we, me, again. That, it is yeah. not a good movie. So anyway, leaving that movie aside, I pay no attention to anything that happens to any right. character in that movie. I You also have to leave aside Solo because you haven't seen it. I have because not I watched seen it was like, Solo either. This is awful. I guess technically I could pick. I just realized I could pick somebody from Rogue One. I didn't yes. even think of that. 
I have a Rogue One choice. Do you want me to go while you consider if Rogue One I mean, beats Finn? Um, I, from Rogue One, I would pick K2SO. Um, because... I find that answer vague and unconvincing. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I I like I liked Finn the best from Force Awakens uh, and in Last Jedi. I I'd like his arc as a stormtrooper who can't really feel it, <laughs> doesn't get into right. it, um, decides to defect, and just his his I don't know. I really like the way John Boyega does him. I think he's a great character and he was my favorite of the, I don't know, the main characters in the new Star and the Disney Star Wars movies. John Boyega is he like the first time I saw him in Force Awakens and in everything I've Mm -hmm. seen him since then, including going back to see Attack the Block, which came out beforehand. He truly just is a movie star. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a captivating presence. Yep. He's good in everything I've seen him in. I can only hope he will continue to get more roles, despite speaking out honestly about the racism he experienced at Disney, which yep. is actually a good thing for him to do. Yes. And I hope it does not hurt his career. I agree. Which it doesn't seem like it will. He was in a really interesting... People argue about whether it counts as a movie or a TV show. But he was in a, a thing a cinematic event last year called Small Axe, uh, which was really good, and uh, from director Steve McQueen, so hopefully he will continue to get good roles. But yeah, John Boyega is great. And Finn is such a good idea, because yeah. the best thing those first two Disney... Uh, episode 7 and 8, let me say that. Correct. The best thing those movies introduce, and even Rogue One has this somewhat, is that... Getting away from the divine right of kings that has always kind of been at the heart of Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? This idea of dynasties and family yep. and being like, actually, a hero is someone who chooses to be a good person. Right. And you know, Finn does ma- that. He gets his chance yeah. to be the stormtrooper and he chooses not to fire on the townspeople at the beginning of Force Awakens. Right. And then he chooses to leave and go to the resistance um and right or at first he's just trying to leave right but he actually has the arc where he comes to join the resistance and it's just very good i like him he he is the antithesis to kylo ren Mm -hmm. in that kylo ren is somebody who had every reason and opportunity to be good and chose evil right and finn had every opportunity to choose evil and instead ends up choosing to be good Ray, of course, similarly to that, she's not quite evil at the start, so it's not as impactful an arc. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she she's a nobody and she yeah. chooses to be good. And then the frustrating thing about episode nine is that it takes a big dump on literally all of that. <laughs> I told you, but just ignore anything that happens in that movie because I have excised it from my headcanon. <laughs> so my honest answer is... Like, my favorite thing that the Disney Stars movies introduce, that I have a million toys and pieces of merchandise of, is, of course, BB-8. Yes, BB-8 is adorable. BB-8 is a little orange ball. Yes. I love that. And he's a friend. But he is a friend. He's shaped like a friend. From, I mean, 
from the time he gave and it's it, it's funny because when i saw in the trailers i was like this is stupid <laughs> what are they they're doing a soccer ball droid yeah. and i'd make fun of it and then you watch the movie he makes cute little sounds and then as soon as he gives finn a thumbs up yep. with a lighter i'm like that's it bb8's my favorite thing that's ever happened <laughs> but it's weird to say he's my favorite character because he's a he's a ball <laughs> I mean, overall, my droid, the droids tend to be my favorite characters in the 100%. Star Wars movies, which, you know, K2S, why I said K2SO. <laughs> I, I love K2SO as well. He's just um, so funny. I, I agree with you. The droids are the best part of the Star Wars movies. Yeah. But if I had to pick my favorite Star Wars character uh, from the Disney films after BB-8, because BB-8, I don't know if he counts as a character, <laughs> um, would be Chirrut Imwe. He is also very Rogue good. One. I honestly, I choke up every time at I am one with the force, the force is with me. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy with no real powers, just his faith. Yeah. And he walks out there and he saves the day and then he gets shot. Yeah. Ugh. And yeah. it's just, I mean, he's Donnie Yen and Donnie Yen is the coolest right. person alive. Extremely. probably. So <laughs> that that helps. Mm hmm. Uh, I, and, and he's funny. He gets, yep. he gets a lot of good jokes and good lines in that. Like mm-hmm. every Donnie Yen line in that I movie. am blind when they're blindfolding yes. him. <laughs> and, and weirdly another one of his line readings I think about a lot is like, you know, even though it's such an obvious kind of dumb line, I think he just sells it of like, you know, prisons take many different forms. I sense you carry yours with you wherever you go. Yeah. Um, which again is like the most bluntly obvious thing to say, but and his relationship with uh... oh shoot, what's the other guy he's friends with his name? But you know the part yes, where he's walking yes. off the ship and the guy's Baze. like, "Good luck," and he's Baze, thank you, and he's like, "I don't need luck, I have you." Yeah, it's so good. I I love Chirudimwe, um, and I love BB-8. Mm-hmm. BB-8 is a little ball. <laughs> All right, two more questions. Uh, this might be longer than a normal episode of Me, Mom, and the Mouse, <laughs> but maybe we can go quick. Probably not. What is your favorite Disney TV show? Kim Possible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, though Terrific as a show. child, my favorite was the Gummy Bears. Bouncing here and there and everywhere. Exactly. Kim Possible is, I think, as an adult, uh, a better <laughs> show than the Gummy Bears. True. I, I didn't. I mean, of course, I, I was an adult when I saw Kim Possible for the first time because it was one of the cartoon shows we watched with you boys when you were kids. Because when, right. when you were young, we used to watch all the cartoon shows with you, mostly to, you know, talk to you about them and be interested in the things you were interested in, whatever, you know. Be, being good parents, being yes, good yes. parents, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the kind of thing we're always advocating on on the show of, like, don't watch just together your kids as a and, family. Yeah. Yeah. Don't just leave your kids in front of the TV to download who knows what into their brain. Right. Um, no, yeah. I, I love the gummy bears as a kid because it's a um, medieval setting and they have magic and, you know, the gummy bears are magic. But it's it's interesting because it's like they're the last remnants of an ancient gummy bears civilization. <laughs> and again, yeah. while the episodes watching them again as an adult, mm, some of them don't really hold up. The whole setting of it, I really loved as a kid, and I loved those that show as a kid. Um, and then, as an adult, I watched Kim Possible with you guys and really loved it. Kim Possible, she can do anything. Her friend, Ron Stoppable, he can't do anything. It just, it's silly, it's fun. Uh, I love it. I put the 
sound that the uh, the alert from the communicator uh, on my phone as my text notification. And every time I think about maybe I should change my text notification, I've had that for a while. Um, I'm at some store or something and it'll go off and somebody near me will go, is that Kim Possible? <laughs> And I'm like, yep. Yeah. And it just gives them joy. And I'm like, I keep it. <laughs> that that movie quietly TV defined show. that TV show. Sorry, quietly like was one of the most important TV shows. Again, of a certain age of millennial, yeah, um, and Gen Z. I would I would think because yep. the generational divide is like right there, and mm-hmm. also stupid. Um, but yeah, definitely, I love Kim Possible. One of the Possibly the very first thing I did when Disney Plus came out. I was like, screw the Mandalorian. I'm going to binge Kim Possible. <laughs> and if uh, I hadn't just, we, your your dad and I had just, you know, a few months before found a way to watch all the Kim Possible episodes in a janky manner. Um, and yeah, we binged uh, the uh, whole uh, thing. <clears throat> legally. Completely. Well, you know, there was, it was legally mostly. Anyway. Um, then of course, after we'd worked real hard and gone all the way through it, then it came out on Disney plus and it was easy. It's like, well, next time, at least I go to watch it. It'll be easier. That show is a great example of, you know, something that I'm always talking about with Disney, which is the cackling maniac, Mm -hmm. Dr. Draken, a God tier cackling maniac. Yes. hundred percent. And there are quite Um, a few cackling maniac villains in that one. Yes. But he is the best, and definitely a lot of his and Chigo's DNA mm-hmm. in uh, Lord Hater and Commander Peepers, for sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say. Yeah, and what it really is a good show. It's it's so much more clever than Need to Be, and mm-hmm. it had some brilliant ideas in the premise. Like, one of the best things about that show, in my opinion, is that everyone just knows she's a superhero, yeah. and yet she still has to deal with high school yes. stupidity. because she's just like, a high school girl, and she still has to deal with all the high school stuff, but then, you know, like the, in her evenings, she's flying around the world, saving the day. <laughs> Like, the annoying rival cheerleader is never like, by the way, thank you for once again saving humanity right. from extinction. Bonnie. She's like, you, yeah, you nerd who's, <laughs> you know. And, like, the teachers as well, they're like, you know, I realize that once again you saved the world, but you have to turn in your homework. Exactly. You lazy. Like, it's just, it's so good that they yep. don't, that there's no secret identity. Yep. And I think um, it's really and- fun that... None of the, all the superhero stuff, she's, you know, totally fine with. It's easy. It's all the regular high school stuff that freaks her out. That's, yes, that's, that's the whole, that's the brilliance mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I have to say, Ron Stoppable, like, genuinely an important character. Yeah. As, for Isaiah and I, as Jewish boys growing up, yep. like. Because he's a Jewish character. How, he is. He's a Jewish guy. He's a complete dork. <laughs> but that. But in a way that makes him totally immune to all the high school, you know, nonsense. Right. Because he just can't, he feels no shame exactly. ever. Like, actually one of the best Jewish characters, like, <laughs> uh, especially for kids. I can't think of a lot of other kids media with, mm-hmm. like, representation that good. Um, really, really good stuff. Yeah. My favorite Disney TV show is Gravity Falls. And yeah. I feel like if you're listening to this, you already know about Gravity Falls. If not, go on to, dis- literally stop this episode, go on to Disney Plus <laughs> and watch it. But I mean, Gravity Falls is a show that would be great. Like, even not just as an animated Disney show, like, it is great for any 
type of TV show. I mm-hmm. think it's just brilliant storytelling with great performances, lovely animation. Uh, it's it's terrific. It's one of my favorites. Again, not a very controversial take because that's a very popular, yeah. extremely critically well-regarded show. <laughs> but to me, it just is the correct answer. And that's another show like Wonder Over Yonder because I think they were contemporaneous. I'm mostly discovered in college. Yeah. I was vaguely aware of it in high school, but it was one of those things where the finale was a big deal. And mm-hmm. I was like, maybe I should watch it all now that it's done. And yeah. then I binged it in like two days because I was obsessed. <laughs> Final question of the evening of our first mailbag. A very, I hope that other people enjoy <laughs> listening to this because I feel like we've enjoyed having conversations, but this is also even by our standards, incredibly niche. <laughs> but is there a book or other media you think would make a good Disney animated movie? I think that the Redwall series of books by Brian Jacques would make good Disney animated movies because, hey, they're animal stories. <laughs> yeah. Action adventure. You could get kind of epic battles with them. Um, they're a lot of fun and uh, they have a lot of interest, you know, good description in them of places and characters and riddles. And I think they would make good animated movies. I believe there is some animated version somewhere. It's not Disney, but I think Disney could make a good animated movie, at least out of one of them, if not a series. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of those books have a similar plot, so mm-hmm, pick one. Mm-hmm. Oh, ex- they're extremely formulaic, so yeah. pick any of them. <laughs> yeah, that would, I mean, it's... The yeah. first ones are the well, best. Like you say, that's that's just an obvious fit, and yep. it's a very good pick. Yep. Uh, my choice, so there were two things I wanted. First of all... Needs to have a cackling maniac, because obviously we'll get into this, but I am sick and tired of all these modern Disney <laughs> movies not really having a villain. Yeah. We've both now seen Raya and the Last Dragon. It gets close. Yeah. It does have a villain, but she turns out to be a sympathetic villain. And yeah. I'm like, no, I want cackling maniac whose deal is I love <laughs> evil. I want Cruella DeVille, Radigan... You know, Maleficent, Doctor Dragon, Maleficent, absolutely. We're just like, here's my deal. I love evil, mm-hmm. and I love to see it. Um, so I wanted somebody who would be a fun villain, for goodness' sake, and yeah. I wanted sci-fi because the Disney animated canon has only made a few excursions into sci-fi, and it's something that I wish they would do more of because I think Disney animation and sci-fi are a really good fit. Yeah, because um, obviously sci-fi like. It's it's hard to, you know, it's fantastical, like <laughs> fantasy, like something with animal characters. And it's, I feel like that's just better in animation a lot of the time. And I, I wish there was more animated sci-fi. Um, and so what I eventually settled on is the Larklight trilogy. I love which is a trilogy of, They are terrific. A trilogy of books by uh, Philip Reeve, illustrated by David Wyatt, um... You know, I don't know if they would keep the style of the illustrations, but they are these science fiction, steampunk novels. So they feel of a piece with Treasure Planet, Mm -hmm. kind of. Um, And I feel like the first book you could pretty easily turn into a Disney. I mean, you'd have to take liberties, but all the Disney adaptations do. Yeah. 
you could take a lot of the bones of it and you know basically mm. it's these kids so that's a winner already yep. you know yeah kid characters uh they encounter these uh, spider-like aliens mm-hmm. space it's fighters. very f- space fighters it's very funny my ideal version put some songs into it because I like the Disney musicals. Yeah, Just wherever, yeah. put songs, I don't care. And of course, you know, there's pirates, uh, like space yes. pirates in it as well. So of course space. you would pick it. Basically what I'm saying is let's try Treasure Planet again. <laughs> but different. <laughs> but different. Um, and Treasure Planet, although I do like the villain of it, we'll talk about it, does not have really a cackling maniac. But this one does definitely, a- yeah, the villains in the Larklight series are all yeah. crazy go nuts. In the second book, um, there's evil hats. <laughs> yes. Take, so, which actually Disney also did, uh, Meet the Robinsons. <laughs> That's true. But I, I'm saying take the first book and like a lot of the best Disney adaptations, just take the bullet points of it, you know, um... And have the villain, you know, he's this Professor Phineas Ptarmigan. <laughs> and uh, just just go nuts. Cast somebody really exciting in that voice role right. and just go nuts with it and have a ton of fun. Because yep. that's what I want from the Disney movies more than anything else is just be fun. Mm-hmm. I don't think, especially now with the CGI animation that looks good a lot of the time, but also very like plasticky mm-hmm. and not as creative and they don't. They're not as interested in pushing the envelope as, like, Sony Pictures is yep. with uh, Spider-Verse and Me- uh, Mitchell's versus the Machines. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they're ever going to make something as transcendent as Sleeping Beauty. I- I'd yeah. love to be wrong, but I don't think Disney is going to make something of that kind of truly magical tone. So let's just have fun. Mm-hmm. Just do comedy. It's great. It's great when there are jokes and songs, and that's all a Disney movie really needs. And I don't need a Disney movie to, like, be about racism <laughs> or be about abusive friendships or be about colonialism, which is the weird turn Frozen 2 makes. Like, <laughs> I don't know. You're a Disney movie. You're not equipped to do that. Just <laughs> just have fun, please. Yep. Um, so that's my take. And that is the end of our questions, the end of our mailbag. Yep. Would you recommend this mailbag? Would you show it to a child? <laughs> Uh, I think it's safe for kids, but you know, some of them might, some of the movies might scare them. <laughs> yeah. Pirates, pirates of the Caribbean. Be careful. <laughs> they're, they're PG at least, aren't they? Or are they PG 13? Um, I feel like they, I don't know if they are PG 13. They definitely should be. And yeah. I feel like the third one probably is. Yeah. I mean, the third one, somebody gets murdered in just a horrific fashion Mm -hmm. involving davy jones Mm -hmm. i guess i probably shouldn't describe it because that's not any better but anyway yeah also not something wicked this way comes not a movie for kids and maybe not the the watcher in the woods are so there you go that's right get yourself a nintendo 64 (laughs) um and yeah this i have to say this really is and the podcast itself is like this too, but this is just what mom and I talking is like. Yep. This this really is take a topic. This is our and relationship. Just keep going on it, especially a Disney related thing. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, when we hang up, we'll probably keep the call running and do more of this. Yeah. Yep. Let you all go for now. 
until next time, so again, some point in probably July, we will uh, pick back up with the Aristocats. So stay tuned for that in the Bronze Era and our first bonus episode yep. uh, and all of that good stuff. And we're going to start releasing uh, every week consistently without long hiatuses uh, between the miniseries, thanks to the help of our editor, Brad Murray. Yay! Who I will stress again, had nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> Please uh, remember to, if, if you like the show, give us a give us a rating, give us a review, subscribe to the podcast, all that stuff. Uh, you can send in more questions to me, mommouse at gmail.com. Thank you very much, and until next time, I'm me. I'm Mom. And it all started with a mailbag. I guess. <laughs>